Welcome to Kali Tribune podcast. There was a long hiatus in our work and uh, I hope you missed me as much as I missed doing this. And it, was, it is all due to a heavy workload in other aspects of life. Make me rich and this will change forever. Anyway, uh, this time around uh, we'll talk about one counterfeit, what I like to call counterfeit, a phenomenon, let's say, an attitude, the psychological, let's say, phenomenon, but also social phenomenon, a mood or attitude uh, that is, in our day and age, uh, put forward as a representative of what was customarily understood as love, uh, as sympathy, sympathy in the sense of, of having uh, having uh, sympathy for somebody's troubles of, of pains or so on. And in any, uh, any form of uh, interhuman relations that are based on uh, some kind of what we would call love, some form of love. This phenomenon, this counterfeit, is sentimentality. And I'll say in advance that sentimentality is counterfeit in the sense, very strict sense, that it is a particular aspect of love. That is to say, one particular feature that is that accompanies uh, the attitude or disposition of loving, but it doesn't have to. So it's an accident. It's something that can be present but and is usually present to love, but not always. It is taken, however, as being the essence of what it is. It is, in fact, an accident. This is how counterfeits come to be, because if it was not so, if it had nothing to do with love or sympathy, in a true sense of the word, uh, we couldn't, it could never work as a counterfeit. Nobody could, could be convinced that it is what it is presents itself to be. So we'll start from the from mundane things and everyday living where sentimentality is pretty obvious and prevalent. And I'll give you one example that always bothered me a lot. Not always, I'm sorry. Uh, in, 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 in throughout my grown-up age, let's say. And this is uh, the social phenomena, or rather a, something I would call a social disease, of incredible sentimental affection towards animals and pets. This is the prime example of sentimentality. Now, we all know, especially because I guess a lot of people listening to this live further west than my own country. And this is more prevalent uh, for the west you go, uh, that pets, especially dogs, are 
considered more or less like human members of the family. Interestingly enough, uh, in a correspondence to uh, in correspondence uh, and uh, uh, inverse analogy uh, to loosening of the ties of the ge- between genuine uh, members of families. Uh, parents and children or even uh, the habit of not having children at all but having pets uh, this is this is a clear clear example of how sentimentality is a counterfeit and uh, how destructive it is because sentimentality is taken for itself in itself uh, can be understood in my opinion even as a kind of sin in a, in a religious sense it is very destructive and this dog thing will i think prove at some ground to explain why now love towards animals is something that used to be uh, prevalent in kids now we all know that uh, in cartoons, in fairy tales, and so on, animals uh, are prominent uh, feature. That is to say, very often protagonists and antagonists. And uh, when you have a child, a very young child, who has a habit of torturing uh, small animals, mammals, like kittens or little puppies, dogs, this is the sign of the serious mental disturbance. I myself could recall a single one example of this. Uh, and it is quite a rare phenomenon. What you see uh, more often is children torturing other children than children torturing animals or children torturing animals simply because they are playing with them and not knowing what they are doing but intentionally uh, uh, inflicting pain on a little animal is something that that is very rare among children Uh, it doesn't apply to bugs and such they torture bugs without remorse now there is a reason to this in my opinion the reason for this is, and I'll paraphrase one medieval sage, is that love towards animals is part of growing up, that is to say the process of forming the right attitudes and uh, forming ability, uh, habitus or disposition to love. Because as children, we are not mature enough to love other people. That is to say, not that child doesn't love its mother, but that love, uh, child's love is very ego- egoistical and naturally so, because it is, child is self-centered. It is, it need, there, there, there is a, a long process of maturing in order to be able to love. And... Animals are, in a way, uh, aspects of human being. Uh, every animal is is a pure, pure symbol for some human feature, like, for instance, fox is a symbol of cunning, or dog is a symbol of 
um, truthfulness or what's what's the right word in English of loyalty, for instance, and so on. And children see that because children cannot see that in human other human beings because in other human beings it is too complex for them to discern and too demanding emotionally for them to bear. So love of husband and wife in all the troubles that life throws at them is something that child cannot really fathom because it is a child. Uh, he or she is not uh, not equipped for this, and this is quite normal. Except in our day and age, starting with films by likes of Steven Spielberg, where children are depicted as wise, as as lecturing elders, as 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 if uh, with maturing and with age, uh, we don't get wisdom, but we get stupid. This is. This is a novelty from the late 60s onwards in America and it spread around the world. I mean, this is sheer insanity. The, the, the children are not like this. Anybody who was a child, and I guess we all were, well, if he remembers his childhood, will know that this is not true. There is no wisdom of a child. Child is naturally egotistical and this egoism in child is not something ugly because it is appropriate for for the age it's ugly if it if it lingers throughout life and in most cases it does well sentimentality is therefore a sign of infantility and this love towards dogs when somebody my age for instance treats his dog as a person that is to say, as a human person, uh, complete with dressing him up or something like that, uh, this is infantile. This is not normal behavior. But I think you will all agree with me that this is a prevalent behavior. Moreover, that attitudes such, such as mine and Thomas Aquinas's, because I was taking his example about child's uh, childhood uh, fondness for animals is anathema and a pretty serious one at that because the thing with sentimentality is that it is a compensation for a lack in my opinion for a lack of mature relationships ability not only relationships but ability to having them in the first place and this is very, very bad. So, giving animals human features, instead of realizing that what we are fond of in animals is a reflection of human features, preparing us to love humans, this, this terribly difficult task, is a very serious thing. And sentimentality is a counterfeit through which it occurs. Now I'm only using a quite a marked example. There are others, but I think it will suffice for now. So what is the original of which sentimentality is counterfeit? Well, it's easy. That's love. Uh, 
And love is willing or wishing good to another. Now you'll notice that there is not, not much romance in this simple statement, but it can be included in it. And true love, and there is no untrue love, love is very, very simple thing, is something that is deliberate. In our day and age, love is understood as affection. And this, uh, my friends, is quite uh, false. This doesn't mean that love is something that that people fall in love uh, because they decided to. Well, the trouble is that this falling in love, these things that are celebrated in our day and age, are very, very sh of very shallow roots. Uh, romantic ideas are not really shallow, but uh, these sentimental, uh, sentimental romance ideas uh, mostly are. But also, uh, they are not always understood to their fullness because uh, there is always a moment of deliberation in love. It can be provoked by affect. It can be colored by affects, by emotions, of course, because they are always present. And the trouble is when you extract an emotion and ditch everything else. Uh, but there is always this moment of freedom of freedom of will, of freedom of heart, if you wish, which is customarily, customarily understood as having to do with love. Uh, and this also applies to agape, or caritas, or Christian love, that, and this is <laughs> where it gets ugly, in my opinion, when sentimentality is sold, as Christian love, moreover, not only sentimentality, but even charitable work. And what I mean by this is humanizing of Christian religion or humanizing of the person of Christ, moreover, ditching Christ for all kinds of uh, supposedly saintly good people. I know one example is very prominent you have a youtube song in the name of love that's i think about martin luther king where this man is being uh, given all the traditional qualities you give to christ not all but those really human qualities standing alone in the name of love, getting killed, sacrificing himself for love. This is quite a dangerous bullshit, to put it bluntly. And it is very prevalent. And then it gets projected to an actual, to an actual theology, even theoretical theology and Christian life. And I think this is... Uh, huge misunderstanding it leads to huge misunderstanding of christian religion and what is most important practice of it because it uh, inverts things if you understand god as a good man well then on occasion you'll get pissed off at him that in itself 
is not abnormal, not 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 as strange as it may seem. Uh, but you you will uh, predicate your relation to God as conversation of equals in some sense, whereas this is not the case, and traditionally this was not understood like this, because agape or Christian love is first and foremost realization induced by God himself, because you cannot do it of yourself. Realization that all things are in God, that all things are creatures and remain creatures in, in, the, God, in the act of God's creation. Now, this may seem abstract to you, to, to say that this is love, but it is the origin of love. It is an ability to see God in all, put simply. And only derivatively, it is uh, concerned with proper relation between humans, between men and wife, between friends, and between strangers even, between humanity as it is. Because it is true that there is this, in Christian love, this aspect of, uh, of uh, elevating uh, human relations to another the higher level than it is customary than it was even historically customary before Christianity. But this is derivative, this is secondary. The primary is to see other, the one you wish good to, who you love, in the same light in which you see you. And this, is, this light is, is God, quite literary. Both of you share origin. You see both of you in him not in yourselves this is love and this is not something now we can to conundrum this is not only is this not sentimental this is not something you can just uh, develop develop from yourself this is one of those as i say infused virtues by virtue i mean a quality of soul of disposition of soul that uh, there is a need of uh, this being provoked uh, in human being we have a capacity or possibility or dynamis to take this form to qualify our souls in this sense to become truly loving beings uh, but you need uh, you need uh, you need a help from above even for this so this is anything but affect this is opposite of affect it may seem like that because uh, the impulse comes from outside you cannot control it this is not something you can provoke of yourself and you cannot provoke affects of yourself also but this is completely different because this is love is acceptance to develop uh, this position that was proposed by a deliberate act of someone higher than you whereas affect is just something that occurs uh, and we mu one must not fall in the pitfall 
of while rejecting sentimentality, uh, rejecting at the same time uh, any kind of sympathy or or, or, or or emotion for humans, you have something like that in thinker I often refer to, René Guénon, uh, even to an extent that I would wish to uh, tear him in half while reading him, because he has this, uh, uh, g- let's say, gnostic, philosophically gnostic idea of total knowledge as, as the only important thing. So when Jacques Maritain, uh, Catholic, uh, modern Catholic philosopher, objected to Ganon that that in, in, in India people are living in terrible conditions and, and that that in East, a very interesting thing and very true, yeah, they have propensity of, of uh, making human being or an animal into a god without without second thought, Ganon just said as a triple secondary to to a main metaphysical truth. So it's a trifle for trifle uh, if you see people dying from hunger in the street and nobody is tossing even a, even a bite of bread to them because, well, it's not important, they will reincarnate. I would hurt this man. I would physically hurt this man very badly because it's so... Uh, <sighs> So inhuman. Although, by the way, Genon was very, uh, as far as I know about him, was in fact direct opposite, very emotional man. <laughs> it doesn't show in his writing. But, but this is his understanding, you know, because in, in Christ, at least in Christianity, uh, all uh, that is built by New Testament, not to go into theology too much, not good for philosophers, but I just say just this. Everything in New Testament, most of the things in Old Testament are typos, as uh, exemplars, and especially Jesus, who is not a, of course, not a concept. He was a living man, but exemplar. You you see him do something or say something. You are meant to imitate it in the in some some very hard to discern way, but one of those. Th- so nothing is accidental. What I mean by this. And you see him weep. He weeps for his friend who died. And then resurrects him with simple comfort walk. But, you know, there is this aspect I want to conclude. Uh, When I say that sentimentality is something that is very destructive, in fact. And it is, becomes with time becomes disgusting. Because these pet lovers are disgusting. They become disgusting at some time, at, at one point. But it is not unnecessary. There is this sentimental feel to life that makes life nicer even, and that gives color to, to an act of will, which love is. Act of will influenced by higher will. Uh, Simply, uh, this is part of it. And some things you cannot disassemble. So you cannot extract some aspect of love and say that love is still love. No, no, it has to be whole. And when you take this, how you make counterfeit, as I said in the beginning, 
you take this one aspect and turn it into whole, project it as such. And I think, and I want to conclude with this uh, dog-loving <laughs> thing, because it irritates the hell out of me. It's even worse that it irritates. I noticed that there is, as I said, this inverse analogy uh, between love for pets and love for one's parents, let's say. It really seems to be uh, that, uh, that people who are so invested in animals are less invented, invested in humans, are very cold when humans are concerned, where it can be very calculated. So it is a kind of compensation. And uh, what is very interesting is that as they humanize dogs or cats, they animalize people because when you give animals human characteristics when you in fact erase the ontological not quantitative difference between human and animal uh, it works both ways and this is one one of those features of of, of contemporary of our times our aeon age is this how these inversions work and you can see it in this uh, how you have this prevalent sentimentality under which there is absolutely no love it can be all built on hate it can cover a lot of hate in a saharin uh, coating and this is uh, quite a dangerous quite a, quite a calamitous thing and quite prevalent thing, I think you will all agree. So, thank you for your attention. This is Branko Malic of Kali Tribune, signing up.